Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And in October 2018, we talk about one Alkaline Trio album. And this month it's goddamn it. But this week is Nose Over Tail. gotta respect someone who forgets exactly what they're supposed to be talking about but then finds a way you always find a way lewis stevens it's a really fun thing to do which is to make everyone think you're gonna fall off the cliff and then you just kind of pirouette back you know what i and i've known you so long that i don't worry about you when you're teetering over the ledge i don't i don't go and pull at your belt uh, give know. me time another 15 seconds i know you're coming back so like if you leave it, if you leave that pizza in the oven another fifteen seconds, crust will get nice and crispy. Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. We are here to talk about an Alkaline Trio song. My name is Tim Crisp. His name is David Anthony. Just the crispest crust. The crispest crust. That's what they call me. That's what I call you. Thanks for joining us on As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. Hey, we're here to talk about, not only are we here to talk about a song, we're here to talk about a record, a record called God Damn It. She came out 20 years ago this month. It's crazy to me uh, because it doesn't feel that long, which is absurd. This is how time works. But I feel like we're already in the era of anniversaries. Where I'm like, fuck, that was 10 years ago. Uh, I was there the first time. It was wild. And this one I've just lived with for so long. And granted, it's not like I was at the record release show or something. But, like, it it wasn't that long after, you know? Yeah. It's just, ugh, man. Here we are. I'm old. So what we're doing over here on As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio for this month is we're shuffling up the rhythm a little bit. At the beginning of the month, we ran a poll. Well, at the end of last month, but technically speaking. We ran a poll, and we said to our Patreon subscribers, that's patreon.com slash as you were, we said, here's the first half of God Damn It. Give you the tracks, vote on it in a poll, which one do you want us to talk about? Now, before we ran that poll, I said to David, I says, David. He says? I says, David, pick one song from the first half of God Damn It. And I picked the first side of Huey Lewis's sports misunderstanding the prompt. They say the harder rock and roll is in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I says, David, pick a song, and I'll pick a song. And David picked Nose Over Tail, and I picked San Francisco. Now, San Francisco was selected by our Patreon pledgers as the song that we talked about last week. And now here we are, David, in a sense, the winner of the contest. Yeah, technically I got my way and people just kind of backed you up. So that's got to be less fulfilling. But you don't really lose. We talked about San Francisco. It's a great song. Well, you know, I, I, I never feel like a loser when our Patreon subscribers are, you know, just doing the thing. To just quote the thing. my favorite artist from Gainesville, Florida, 
even the losers get lucky sometimes. And in that case, you did, my friend. But we're here to talk about nose over tail. Uh, I don't even know where to begin, honestly, which is a bad thing to do because bad thing to say because we're doing a podcast. Well, here's what I wanted to lead with. Since uh-huh. this is a song that you picked, what about this song? When I say pick a track from mm-hmm. God Damn It, what about this song is emblematic of this LP for you? Well, this is very tough, but because th- I have so many memories tied to this entire record. And we've talked about cringe, which is like hearing that for the first time just blew my hair back. It was so crazy, but blew my hair right off. <laughs> You're looking good though. It's nice. I like that. I'm growing it out a little bit. It's good. Um, this song is, has so many memories tied to it for me. Um, which I'll get into, but beyond that, beyond my personal connection to nose over tail, I, I dropped this in a Patreon episode. So those people know what I'm about to say, but to me, this is the quintessential alkaline trio song. When I think of alkaline trio, when I think of when I got into them, when I think of what they represented to me, when I think of everything they were capable of doing, I feel like nose over tail expresses all of it. I feel like if I, had to show someone one song by this band who had never heard them, this would be the one I would pick. Um, It's very singular. They don't have a lot of songs where the back half is just instrumental. They don't have a lot of songs with this many rigid stops and starts. They don't have a lot of songs that are this fast and this tight and kind of technical, but it just expresses everything that I think made them special. And everything that made them special to me, um, from the lyrics to the music to just the performances, everything about it, when I think of Alkaline Trio and when I think, when I hear their name and, and I'm in a positive mood, this is what I hear. And I think of the joy this song brings me. I think of screaming, I'd love to rub your back in a room full of people. I love that feeling of them riffing at the end and leading into that octave chord laden triumph at the very end. I think of all those moments and just like how this is a song that I've known for two thirds of my life and I've never gotten sick of. There's never been a time where I've been like, you know, overrated, you know, could do without it. Never felt that way about nose over tail. So when you, and and where were you when you heard it for the first time? I remember exactly where I was when I heard it for the first time because I had gotten the record and I remember listening to it and this was shortly after I started skateboarding and this song title like really drew me in. Uh huh. But I remember there's a specific moment. Right, where he says, Find time to fake a seizure, feel your mouth on mine, you're saving me. And this is like not charitable to my younger self and my younger friends, but we were at an age where uh one of my friends decided that like his his joke was that anytime he was asked to do something he didn't want to do, he would fake a seizure. That was like his joke. He never did it, but like that uh-huh. was he was he would threaten that he was going to. And I remember hear, hearing this song for the first time in my bedroom headphones on and that line coming up and just being like, what the fuck is this? Like how, 
like I'd never heard something that had like permeated my lexicon before I even knew it had. Right. And I wasn't hanging around with people who knew this band or knew this record or knew this song and were like dropping that. It was just this organic moment of like, holy fuck, this is syncing up with so much. And like, granted, I was like at a point where it's not like I was like, you know, really like dating or doing any of that. So the romantic stuff, while not lost on me, was not the focal point for me initially. But I remember this just being such a bonding mechanism for me and all my friends of like hearing it and then immediately being like, yo, you've got to hear this. Like, you're not going to believe And like watching them react to that line, watching them react to the song because it's like, you know, we were all like into punk and into stuff that was like a little cleaner and a little more poppy. And like, this was the first thing I remember hearing where I was like, it felt kind of dirty and it felt kind of weird and dark and strange. And like from the chord progressions to the song structure, to the lyrics, it just felt like nothing I'd ever heard before it felt like the start of something new and it felt like I was like discovering something on my own that other people didn't know. And I was showing them it. It wasn't us all hearing green day on the radio and liking green day. It was, Holy fuck. This is our thing. Like this is our band. You have that moment of like, you know, you're hearing it and you're experiencing it for the first time. And it's, it's something that you get to then go and share yeah. You get to be the person that brings it and then you get to experience that feeling of like just having a collective of people who are under this under this thing this com- like this communal feeling surrounding something that nobody else knows about. Yeah, I remember like having to like hide this record from my dad. Um my parents were divorced and like so like I got this record and like listen to it a lot. And then when I, like I had the CD and I would take it to my dad's house and I would flip the cover over. So the heart skull was on the front of the booklet. And like, so he couldn't see the name of the record. And like, we would like listen to it in his basement, like not knowing like him being unaware of what we were getting away with. And it just, it's, it, it, it's all those things to me. It's that type of record, that record you get when you're a kid and you're like, wow, this is dangerous. This feels like my thing. I feel like no one else knows this. That's what this was for me. It felt like my own. And I never, I'd had things that felt that way, but I was always finding them through someone else or seeing other people around who are wearing like, I don't know, anti-flag shirts or something or bouncing soul shirts. I wasn't really seeing that then. You know, this band felt like they were in their own space the fact that they were like less than 30 minutes away from where i was when i was hearing this in that moment was really powerful the fact it like thrust me into like having an interest in music that was far away from what was mainstream it it just it it changed a lot i remember like concealing cash in a envelope and like a mail order slip to Asian man to get my first alkaline trio shirt. And then maybe I'll catch fire when that came out like that pack waiting for that package to come in. Yeah. The day that came, like I'll never forget that. I still have that fucking shirt. It's huge and like worn to shit, but I can't get rid of it. And I still have all the shirts from that. I got the entire time I followed this band. I've like held on to all this shit. And anytime I like, hate on them or i'm like why do i have all this garbage i think of nose over tail and i'm like that's why that's why i have this i just remember hearing this and like 
you know, my friend, uh, my friend Carl. Ustremski. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I got all the, I got all the early Alkaline Trio records. And he told me this from his brand new AOL screen name, Nose Over Tail 4. Hell yeah. And so I'm like, word. He so, should have put a U at the end. Um, for tail for you, dude. He really blew it. Actually, I mean, it might have been like a a character limit thing That's back then. Um, but you know, when I listened to Goddamn It for the first time, I'm looking at it and I'm like, first of all, reeling from having listened to San Francisco. Uh huh. And then I look and it's like, all right, nose over tails next. And like, Matt's a weird guy. Yes. Matt is a Matt is a weird guy, strange who guy. Expresses things differently, mm-hmm. and the idea that the way you're gonna tell someone that you're in love with them is to crack your head open on a kitchen floor to prove that you have brains, like fake Ugh. a seizure to feel your mouth on mine. I love to rub your back. It's it's so creepy. Yeah. But like in a look at what kind of like inarticulate and expressive weirdo I am, you know, like that's how I've always read it. And like there's also the the intrigue of like meanwhile, tin men led by little girls down gold runs that lead to nowhere. What? Yeah. <laughs> what dude. is that about, dude? Yeah. Oh my god. It's such a it's such a strange lyric. Like a plane crash that never hits the ground. There's so Oh my god. Just like back and forth <laughs> of like, okay, that's a really weird way to say that you love someone. That's a really weird image. Um, you know, I was just like so drawn into like I've never heard a fucking love song like this before. Yeah. I and mean, that's that, what it is. It's a love song. And I think that's the thing is it captures that beauty of like giddiness and inexpressiveness and like joy and confusion. And I'm like, Oh, what the fuck am I doing? And it's just like, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff where it's like a, a big part of the joy of Alkaline Trio in the song for me is it's kind of self-deprecating. It's kind of like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I don't know. And like, that has always been really appealing and endearing to me. I feel that way a lot of the time. I default to that stuff often, but I think he expresses it in a way that's not, uh, you know, when we talked about San Francisco and talked about the drinking stuff and like the fact that that resonated with me, even though I didn't like, I've always, not always, but like, I really, really dislike a lot of that, like drunk pop punk post Dillinger four core shit Yeah, for just being like, well, I don't know how to say what I want, so I'm gonna be like, I drank a beer and fell in a hole, and it's just like, all right. Yeah, my job sucks, but I'm drinking with my friends tonight, and my girlfriend left me, but I'm, I'm drinking, drinking with, with my, my friends, friends tonight. tonight. Yeah. yeah. Um, God, it's terrible music. Uh, but this doesn't do that, and I think the times it borders on that, it stays on the right line of it. We talked about it in my friend Peter. I think you can say it in San Francisco. You can say that a lot of the songs about drinking that they did in the early part of their career, but the self-deprecation, the fact that it's about a crush, it's about a potential relationship. It's about all these things that, you know, I definitely didn't know how to express the first time I was going through them either, but this song felt like a song I could put on a mixtape and maybe get away with it. Yeah. Cause it's, I don't think anyone reads it as like, 
oh, this person coming on to me they want to rub my back but like it's just a good fucking song so you know like it, you can kind of flirt with danger in that sense you know and i really love like within the sequencing of this record like coming off of a song like san francisco which is just such a you know long build of a track yeah. and it's it's you know dynamic in in that way and to come from that with a song that begins on a very awkward strumming pattern yeah and you know has so many like start stop moments and it moves so quickly from verse to chorus to instrumental back into that choppy yep verse that you know has that real hard stop halfway through for you know the fucking like shout along lyric of shout along lyrics god it's just it's so good and that's when you go into the part about the plane crash yeah it's just like they do a stop in the middle of a verse and he dude and the way he fucking delivers that like a plane crash line that's what it fucking feels like. Yeah, I mean, musically, I don't understand how this song gets written. I really, it, it, yeah. Like, purely. Like, when I when you diagram this on a piece of paper, like, okay, that happens once for three seconds. And, and uh, especially, like, even in and out of the I love to rub your back part where, like, Glenn is hitting a crash symbol and then just hitting the same crash symbol. But, like, there's no motion it's like a frozen in time part it's weird and then it goes into you know those open chords and you know (laughs) open chords like that usually symbolize like some form of like slowing down but glenn doesn't fucking stop for a second (sighs) glenn's playing on this is crazy i you know i think that Derek is arguably a much better drummer i don't think but I, yeah that's uh, to me that's not even an argument nobody plays like glenn and yeah there's nobody that would have come up with what he's playing like all, on a lot of this record but like so specifically during the instrumental passage of this song the beginning of this song mm-hmm. so fucking like signature and you know it's 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 a really important piece i think to like what makes this such an earnest song such a fucking like emotional cathartic song yeah i i agree completely like from him just kind of fucking around on the hi-hats in the beginning to those crazy tom rolls in in the instrumental section and you know this was a big song for me for me like embracing music that could be more instrumental like as a kid i was definitely more of the instant instant gratification side of punk right of like two and a half minutes get in get out say what you got to say do the thing but i remember and hearing if you this want, like an instrumental it's like all right guitar solo though yeah and and this is not that it's everyone doing something it's everyone moving this entire band together it's not one person showcasing or showboating it's it's the band moving in lockstep motion and it's really what like made me realize there was another world of music you know and and it it plays so much to like them coming from chicago when chicago was a den of like weirdo art rock happening at this time and before and after them that 
they were also kind of a part of, and that gets glossed over. Um, you know, that's, that's a really important thing to me. And that's something that like, when I first heard Fugazi and there were like instrumental songs, I was like, Oh, I get this now. No, you don't. You didn't get Fugazi until like five years ago. Don't tell me what I am. <laughs> um, you know, I really love that that bit of like really it's it's one of the only sections of this record too where there's a lot of overdubbing. Like <sighs> yeah. there are so many guitars that are happening just on like the chord changes there and then just the like you know, those slides up to down. Mm, um, yeah. And Dan just put on a clinic on his end. Dude, totally. And the fact that it builds into them going back to that octave part yeah. that you almost don't even realize that that's what it is because so much yes. was happening so quickly that, re- you know, it really took me a little bit of time to realize, I think it was like when I was actually learning to play this song mm-hmm. on the bass was like, Oh, that's that part from earlier. Yep. And it's amazing how much, more how how different it is and how that feels like a real like piece of catharsis when you get to those octaves and those you know moving downward and you you really can feel like that's what this second half of the song is just building to this really emotional guitar part yeah i mean to your point about like not realizing that part's kind of what has come before that idea of like being able to do the same thing but just through different contexts make it feel different that's something you can only achieve when everyone is on the same page. Yeah. And everyone like is like kind of understanding what needs to happen because it's so easy to just go like, well, we did that up there and we'll close with it, but it doesn't feel the same as it did. You know, it feels totally different. It gives that catharsis to me. Like I said, I, it always gives this just triumphant, like fuck, like we made it up this hill. We did this impossible, crazy thing. And I think that's, kind of the beauty of the song is it it deals with these like really messy feelings of like that are ultimately joyful i think in in what they're getting at and what they're hinting at the idea of love and infatuation and shit and then they just express it musically at the very end and i think when you can tonally make your music fit the tenor of what you're saying it's a very difficult thing to do and i think it's very impressive to have built a song that is a fan favorite that is basically instrumental for half of it and about God knows what for all of it. Right. I think that that's probably, you know, one of the craziest pieces is that when you actually like look at it, like the lyrics end after like a minute and 15 seconds. The rest of the <laughs> song is just fucking instrumental. It's nuts. It's nuts. That's a hard, hard thing to do. And like, I know I'm harping on that fact, but like, it's hard to think of a lot of bands that can pull that off, especially not in like a like, jawbreaker jet black accident prone kind of way. right where we're you know we're really stretching it right yeah. and yeah it's you can feel the influences of like what was happening in chicago you can definitely feel the influences of a jawbreaker especially in like a bivouac era but it's like where those songs take six minutes to get there this one does it in two and a half. Yeah, it's 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 got a real like shield your eyes quality to me. Um, and you know, this is something that like to go back to what we talked about up top or what I talked about up top is like 
hearing this just it it felt like it made my record collection obsolete you know it's one yeah. of those things where i was like yeah i don't i don't need these no effects records i think that what it really did for me was you know going back to this after being a fan of from here to infirmary which is you know a very polished record and a very like you know a b uh type of record to it was kind of the first example of like yo the journey is so exciting yeah Mm good you know it it made me reevaluate kind of everything that i really liked um and i had a little bit of that in me you know just growing up in a musical household and you know the goo goo dolls were one of my first favorite bands and they became that because they were on the radio and mm-hmm. my dad is like you know what this band ruled five years ago listen sure. to listen to superstar car wash because they're doing something so different from this and that idea of like progress and mm. getting from one point to the next to the next but still the Goo Goo Dolls were rock stars. Yes, totally. This was a band of shitty 20-year-olds. Yeah, like I was not going to potentially see Mark Hoppus at the show I was at. Right. Billy Joe Armstrong, though, like, granted, Green Day had done a good job of staying involved in their scene to a certain degree. I wasn't going to fucking see him at the shows I was at. There was a potential they would just be there because that's where they hung out and that's what they did. I mean... So many times of being 16 and seeing Dan walking into the Metro. Oh, he gets to go to the right when he comes in. That must be cool. Yeah. But, you know, stopped him every time I saw him. and said, hey, love your music. And he's like, thanks. I'm going to go hang out with my friends. But, like, oh, those are your friends that are playing in this band. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all part of something. And it's all part of something that we can all feel like we're a part of, no matter where you are. Yeah, it was a real piebald moment, as they say. Um, we should talk about the fact that this song was recorded previously. Uh-huh. Sundial 7-inch B-side, baby. And not all that different. No. It just doesn't have it. I mean, I, Sundial's 7-inch as a thing has a lot of charm and a lot of lore and I think deserved. Um, if that was the only thing they ever put out, they clearly wouldn't be the same band they are today. That goes without saying, but I do think people would hear it and be like, yo, this is like a weird fucking Chicago band, right? Yeah. I, I don't think people would put them necessarily even in the punk rock lexicon if that was all they did. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest failing of those recordings are just the tones. The guitar tone is awful. Um, it just... <sighs> We talked about it on San Francisco. The way the octaves pierce mm-hmm. just fucking makes it. Just yeah. 100% just like propels this track into a tier of its own. Well, and you know, it's it's a song that they've had for a very long time, you know, and by now they are locked in and they they know the movements, they know where the stops come, they know where to kick it up a notch, they know how to go really fast with it. It's it's the type of thing that I normally don't like, which is like a re-recording of a song that's already been released. But in this context, th- this is the canonical version, and I don't think anyone would would claim otherwise. Yeah, 
yeah you you never really hear anybody like pushing for the sundials version as as the better one and i mean really I mean, it's something that you can't I don't feel like you can think of this song not in the context of where it is on this record. Yeah, I mean, it's such a piece of this puzzle, and it's such a beautiful... I think so many of these songs are great standalones and such bridges between the next one. Yeah, This record is just like one linked chain to me of everything rests on everything else, and everything needs to be there. Even the weaklings aren't that weak, but they like serve a really strong purpose. Um and to your point about like no one picking the sundials version i mean like everyone clearly picks the damnesia version anyway so like it's a moot point but like on god damn it it's just like it it's just everything it needs to be it 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 anchors the a side in a way where like it's kind of sandwiched in the middle and it just it it like i said it shows off every cool interesting idea they've ever had I, it's it's one of their fastest, if not their fastest songs up there with the likes of like a Jake Don green beers, you know? Um, but it doesn't feel like boilerplate punk rock. And that's my favorite type of punk rock is the kind that like, isn't just like, Ooh, really fast. You know, like there's a lot happening. There's a lot of meat on the bones and, like I said, I'm never tired of it. And I can't imagine a day where if I see them play and they go into it where I'm not going to be stoked or if I hear it randomly that I won't be excited or like the strange day where I was like, you know, I, I should go to Reckless today. I haven't been there in a while. And I walk in midway through this song playing and I'm like, well, it's like they beckoned me um, because by the time I got there from my apartment, that they probably started goddamn it as soon as I right. left my door. And then I arrived there during this one. Yeah, and you know, I was I was listening to it, thinking about the fact that we're going to be talking about it, and it's just the moment that hi hat kicks in. I'm patting my mm-hmm. patting my legs. The moment those open chords happen, I'm hitting them. Those octaves, I know those spaces. I'm air basing the whole thing going for it this is yeah it's it's a really magical track and i think it's you know to your point it's something that i feel like god damn it just really builds as it goes along it's like it's it starts out great it gets greater and it really just keeps going yeah it it just starts to hit it starts to hit all of the spots and i think that when i look at it and when i think of you know where this is all going from san francisco to nose over tail you know this is a record that it's in my top fucking it's 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 one of the ones that i use to compare what other ones you know Mm -hmm. how they rank yeah do they do they do this for me at track four? You know, am I feeling this way halfway through? Am I yeah. feeling this way at the end? Like this fucking makes it. Yeah, I mean, it's my favorite record of all time. It's been that way since I first heard it. For the connections I made to the music and the people around me as a result of sharing it, but it's not aged poorly to me at all. There's nothing on it where I look at it kind of sideways. Like, "Mm, I don't really, 
oh, those lyrics are a little whatever. Like everything was cheesy from the jump, but that was the fun. The excitement was that it felt like me and my friends. It felt like this is who it was for. And yeah, maybe like I and those people don't make jokes about faking seizures, but we did when we were young. And yeah. it, it expresses youth and captures youth in a way so few things do. And um, that's just powerful to me. It's powerful then, it's powerful now. And it's like, it's a record that at any given point, there may be a record that I'm obsessed with that I like more. There may be records that I think are higher artistic achievements in, in some regard, uh, like genuine high art and concept. But none of them have ever nudged this out of its top spot for me. Nothing probably ever will. It's not to say I don't hear music coming out now that I'm like floored by because I there's this year's been full of great shit that's like I've been replaying and wanting to show people with the same vigor of this, you know? And that's cool. I, I feel very lucky, genuinely lucky that I've gotten older and I've not lost that hunger to find stuff that makes me feel this way. And I don't care what type of music it is, but if it can bring that that type of joy out of me, um, that's magical. But this is this is the first time that really happened, and this is what everything will forever be measured against. You know, it's... It, I love you. I love you too. And I, you know, I think that this is... This is the type of record, type of song, type of band that, you know, it has that type of impact on people where you realize that there's more to music than just something that you passively listen to. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the greatest records in my life are the ones that make me thankful for the whole idea that music yeah. is a thing that exists and that it's something that we get to talk about and share with each other. And, you know, I go back to this one being passed to me, just me like, Oh, you, you got them all. Like, what's the best one? God damn it. Mm -hmm. And listening to it and just being like, Oh yeah. And hearing it at a time when, you know, you're searching for your identity and I'm 14 and I'm like, I, I like music a lot and I like it so much that I want it to be the thing that I present. Mm -hmm. I want, you know, I want to be a music person. Yeah. And this is, this record is so rewarding. Yeah. It's just, it's, it makes you feel so lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, truly. I mean, it's the moment where I, I definitely feel like I became a music person. I remember getting Maybe I'll Catch Fire and, like, dubbing it for my friends. Being like, you need to hear this record. You know, like, I it was just the start of everything. And, like, it wasn't the, it wasn't the first record I ever bought. It wasn't the first band I was ever, like, excited to buy or into or went to go see live. But it was the first in everything that mattered. Yeah. It was the first in everything of like, this is my life for the rest of my life. And I'm eternally thankful that it entered my life. And I'm so, so, so grateful 
that like it came to me when I needed it. And I think that's what makes so much art impactful is like when it hits you in that moment. And I feel lucky to know a lot of people who uh, have had that. And a lot of people who've had that with this record in particular. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's something that really just spans so many, so many phases of, of life. And, you know, to be sitting here as a, as a, 31 year old Mm -hmm. talking about it it's just like it's amazing you know yeah i'm you know very very grateful for uh the opportunity to talk about this with such like detail and such just just adoration you know yeah if it feels good to do this and i I know we often do this in the plug section, but like it's nice to do this to do this for people who um, feel the same way and like want to share that with us. And please do share that with us. Yeah. I think that that's kind of become something that, you know, when we, when we started this podcast, it was seriously just because we both had other podcasts that we love Mm-hmm. but were stressful. They took a lot of work. And really what brought us together on this was the fact that we'd done this sort of thing in a different form before. Yeah. And realized that, you know, this was something that we, like, enjoyed so much. And we wanted to find a way that, you know, we could do it weekly that we could do it in a less stressful way and this is what we came up with and hearing that you know not only is it some good excuse for us to just go and like talk shit for Mm -hmm. a few hours every week every other week um finding out that you know there are people out there that are enjoying it, that are sharing it and that are um, feeling passionately about it. It's extraordinarily moving. Um, and yeah, like, like you said, we do talk about this in some sort of form at the end of every show. And usually it's more of like a continue to do that. Yeah. But that's, it's tough to put into words what that means. And it's just been really, really great that you have been. And if you want to continue to, that would be great too. But really do, um, you know, we're, we're looking at this month as a way to, to celebrate it. And so we encourage you to hit us up on Twitter uh, at As You Were Pod email if you want a little bit more space as you were podcast at gmail.com we both check those Mm -hmm. and we are it it, it's funny it's funny the way that you and i were friends before we started doing this but i was thinking you know recently that we talk every day now yeah no totally and that's powerful that's that's something to be thankful for yeah i mean i think i think that's the thing that goes understated about a lot of this is like 
what this has given me is it's not just like a podcast or a, you know I'm not like arrogant enough to be like oh a platform or whatever though I I do think people sometimes can view it that way like it's given me a chance to do what I did when I was 12 again yeah of like be a nerd and be excited and be joyful and like you know we were friends but like this really built a bond for us in a way that I'm eternally thankful for and like we talk every day and like we talk about other music and we listen to this other stuff and like we're each part of each other's lives. And that's what I was doing when I was a teenager. And it's nice to know that even as I get older and my life changes and all those things change, that this is still a bonding mechanism. This is still a linking device. This is still something that is the glue for me and the people I care about most. And that's really reassuring and a really nice comfort to have when sometimes shit feels really tough to always have this to come back to is nice both this band but more often than not you tim chloe here and this podcast itself because it's just like it's fun it's really fun yeah and you know i think that like something i've been thinking about a lot lately is just the way that you know you think about the way art moves and how it cycles and how basically everybody when they start to make their own things, it's based on what like moved them when they were starting to think about making art. Yeah. You know, it's, it's bands are sounding like bands sounded 20 years ago because all of those people were 13 years old and Mm -hmm. hearing shit for the first time and thinking like, that's what I want to do. Totally. And having this, as a way to kind of go back to that feeling of just being so excited about hearing something for the first time and wanting to share it and, and being able to come back with that excitement, but also come back and just say like, you know why I love this? It's because it does this for me. Mm -hmm. And the further along I get, the more I realize that the things that I love and appreciate are the things that have some fraction of what that original statement yeah, said to me. Totally. And I, God damn it is just, it's one of those moments where music from that moment on, it was always going to relate to this in some way. And you know, it's what it's what brought us here, and it's really fucking nice to have an excuse to go back and, and think about things in those terms and to think about, you know, new things with the same amount of excitement and to remember, you know, what, what fucking spoke to you in the first place. So this has been our podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim. His name is David. Uh, hit us up patreon.com slash as you were we'll have another poll topic for next week so if you want to get in there and you want to say oh you're talking about southern rock whether you like it or not we're still gonna like it but we um we're very humbled and we're appreciative and you know fucking put this record on when you're done with this text whoever you fucking talk to for the when you heard it for the first time you gotta hear this band 
hit him up. Tell him that you love him and be good to each other. Thanks, Bubba's. Five, ten men out of five. Oh, right. Five out of five. Yeah. See ya. (laughs)